In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Near and dear to Dominicans is the town of Siena, as would be Bologna, as would be Rome. Siena being the home of St. Catherine of Siena. Would have been notable in the 1200s for many things that were brand new, not just Dominicans running all over the place, but a new cathedral, a new Duomo. And in that cathedral was a glorious masterpiece called, appropriately enough, the Maestà by Duccio. The centerpiece of the new Duomo was about 15 feet wide, about 15 feet tall, and almost entirely gold. From a distance, you would only see the sunlight reflecting off of it, blinding you from across the city. As it was completed and brought to the cathedral, it was actually carried in procession with all the members of society marching before it as it was gloriously given entrance to the Duomo. But up close you see that it's actually individual squares, individual paintings of our Lord's life and of Our Lady's life. Some of them are very uh, familiar to you, even though you wouldn't be able to place them. They look almost like icons, but they're not quite. I discovered a year ago, and with my fascination um, about this great uh, work of art, a movie that an Italian had put together, or a Frenchman, rather, um, I discovered in Italy. And amazingly enough, he put together, it's a short, uh, a short piece. Each of the scenes of the Maestà of Duccio are portrayed by actors, and it begins with each scene in uh, a frozen stance. And then gradually the, 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 the people in the, in the figures start moving and move from one scene of the, of the Maestà to another. And it's, it's done as though you were looking at the painting. So it's not just that scene portrayed by actors, but the, the, the camera frequently is panned back so you actually see what would be this altarpiece with its different blocks depicting the life of Christ in this very slow, still, beautiful um, motion from one to the next. It's mesmerizing. I mention that because on Friday in the afternoon, some of you were there, we did a very simple, quiet, meditative Stations of the Cross. You could even call it minimalist. No singing. 
Approaching each station, I just simply saluted each with the, the prayer, we adore thee, O Christ, and we praise thee, because by thy holy cross you have redeemed the world. And then silence. Part of it out of selfishness, but part of it because it's an invitation to to be drawn into this image. It dawned on me as well that we don't have photographs, or I don't have photographs of the stations. So those were made on Friday, and booklet, booklets now exist. So you can just simply meditate on each of these lovely works of art in our church. And I just simply stood at each station until the figures started to seem to move. And then I realized I'd been staring long enough. It was time to go to the next station. You've heard this gospel year after year after year. The first Sunday of Lent is the temptation in the desert. Whether it be year A, B, or C, Matthew, Mark, or Luke, it's always our Lord's temptation in the desert. Whether you attend the ordinary form or the extraordinary form, the first Sunday of Lent is always our Lord's temptation in the desert. You already have many associations with it, hopefully many of them good and helpful. Probably beginning with just thinking about your own facing temptation and being encouraged to fight being encouraged to persevere, which is good. Perhaps you've gone deeper to reflect on how it is that um, we are susceptible to temptation. And even reflecting back on the original sin, which would not have happened were Adam and Eve not tricked into it. We are not made to sin. We're made to be good. Yesterday at First Confessions at St. Agnes and in the weeks prior, First Confessions here, it's the same story over and over again. A beautiful story. Little ones telling their sins. And frequently I'll ask them, so when, the, when this happens, do you feel, when you do these things, do you feel good or do you feel bad? I feel bad. Right. Imagine how good you will feel when you don't do this anymore. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah. And that's what's beautiful about confession. We don't go just to acknowledge I did a bad thing. We don't go just to acknowledge that we did a bad thing and express our regret for it. But we go acknowledge this happened, ask for forgiveness, and beg the Lord to heal us, to send us his grace so it doesn't happen anymore. It's entirely hope-filled. So maybe we're reminded of that when we reflect on our Lord's being tempted in the desert. Hopefully we also focus on our Lord and not read the sacred word of God um, looking for insight into ourselves as though we're the focus of its attention.
to focus on our Lord and to realize that he has, he has undertaken this for us. It helps us appreciate the depth of his love for us. He, he shielded himself from nothing. He could very easily have bound the devil and prevented the devil from having anything to do with these 40 days in the desert. He didn't, he didn't shield himself from that. He permitted himself to endure things that many of us will never, ever have to encounter. We reflect on his humility. Listen to how he, he permits himself to be taken from one spot to the next. He permits himself to be mocked and mistreated. Surely you've reflected on how the devil is asking these questions if you are the son of God. He's not just simply making statements. He's also testing. The devil has been observing this unique person for 30 years, paid attention to everything he's ever said and done, and curiously, everything he's never done, such as anything sinful. The devil knows the Old Testament as well as anybody and, and sees what has been said about this boy by prophets and kings and holy men and women. He may have come to the conclusion already that this is the Messiah. Certainly hasn't come to the conclusion that this is the second person of the Holy Trinity. Otherwise, the conversation would have gone very differently. But those meditations easily become not just uh, simplistic and moralistic, but uh, drawn into an abstract daydream. We need to come back and make sure that we're, we're really meditating on Christ. We're focusing on Christ. As I suggested on Ash Wednesday, instead of these 40 days being a time to focus on ourselves and on the accomplishment we are going to make and the sacrifice we are going to offer up and the progress we are going to accomplish, let it be a time to enter into the life of Christ. His Explaining how to pray, fast, and give alms should be an invitation to meditate on not just his instructions, but on Christ praying and Christ fasting and Christ giving alms. Similarly, as our Lord faces temptation, he's also entering into a dialogue that is going to end on the cross. Right, because the, the the devil is touting his his authority, his power, his control, and is and is taunting our Lord with, "If you want some of this, if you want a lot of it, all you have to do is this, and I'll give it to you." Obviously, the Lord does not negotiate with terrorists, so. He's not interested in that. 
Because he is going to reassert his kingdom. Of his own volition. To those who voluntarily surrender their lives as he did his. In fact, he will turn the tables and allow the devil to make himself an object of derision, paraded through the streets, and eventually nailed to the cross and killed. And at the moment of his death, the devil will realize he was just defeated. Because it is our Lord and Savior who offers up the sacrifice for our sins. It is our Lord and Savior who prays to God the Father. It is our Lord and Savior who suffered everything for our sake. And so we come not as much to add our sacrifices to his as though we're adding on top of it to make it even better so that what he's offering to God the Father is more, but rather we're, we're making the effort to enter into his sacrifice so that what he is offering up to God the Father is ours as well. He, it's his prayer to God the Father that's being offered up here. And don't think of it as our adding our prayers to his, but by our prayerful effort, we are entering into his prayer so that we are part of that prayer. St. Paul will refer to that which is missing in the sufferings of Christ, which is to say that every one of us can enter into the suffering and the life and the death and the resurrection and the glory of Jesus Christ. But many of us don't. So there is much in the world which could be, could have been joined to Christ, but wasn't. But that will not be the case with us. So I encourage you to enter deeply and also just very simply into the mystery of Christ this Lent. Yes, with the word of God and with study. And also with your eyes and your heart. Make the stations of the cross on your own. Very few of us do. Before the 630 Mass, There's maybe two or three people that do that on weekdays, a few people afterwards. Likewise, at 9 a.m., before and after Mass. And I encourage you to take advantage of what is not just a decoration, but a sacramental. And you may have your favorite meditation that you want to read, which is lovely. But also go and, 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 and gaze at our Lord. Don't read a book in front of him. And enter into his heart 
enter into his mind. Listen to him beg for forgiveness, not for your sins only, but everyone's sins. Witness how he suffered because of what we've done out of neglect and also out of malice. Remain with him as though you were really there. The prayer that we make cannot be done by anybody else. No one can pray for us. No one can meditate for us. And yet, ironically, I'm telling you that Christ is already the one who is praying. But he can't force you to enter into his prayer, and he won't. Because he wants you to make that step out of love, as he did for you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.